talking about having it memorized. So, um, it's interesting though because like, there's the category on social media of the humble brag, if you're familiar with this. Uh, Harris Whittles actually coined that term, he unfortunately uh, passed, but, um, but, but he coined the term a humble brag, where you would, where you would say that you were humble, you were, you, you were like, you were trying to make yourself appear humble and brag about what you've done at the same time. So it'd be like, oh, I only have my third car out today, or shucks, or like just something like that. Well, there exists that that like that phenomenon exists on, on, on social media. But for those of us who've been in church circles for a very long time, I think it also applies to the holy brag. Where it's just like, I think we also do this and have done this in church circles for centuries where it's just like, oh, I only said, uh, I feel terrible. I only fasted for four weeks last year, you know, or, or the, 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 or the, the best example of this is there was the guy that ran the orphanages in, in, uh, in, uh, in England, but Martin Luther did it too, where they would say, where they would say, oh, I have so much. I feel so incompetent and I have so much to do, so I had to wake up and pray for four hours this morning. It's like, thank you, that's a holy break. Uh, none of us are good enough to, to uh, ride with you. But I want to thank you guys for being here. So, um, I'm going to preach on Mother's Day this morning. And uh, any, many, if you've been around for a while, you, you ought to be shocked. Um, because I don't do Mother's Day sermons. I've told you this for, for multiple years. And, and I don't like to preach about non-biblical holidays. Um, and I said, but I had a sermon written that I was going to do uh, this Sunday, and 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 then uh, and then yeah. So and I just felt like the Lord and some other people were telling me that uh, that I should wait on that. So I'm going to wait on that, and then and but then you're and I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't do that and postpone that for a little bit. And, uh, and then it was also, but now what do I do? And then my mom actually uh, suggested to me that I preach on Mother's Day, um, which I took as a challenge. Maybe I ought not to have, but like, I was like, because i got to be honest with you, normally I dislike Mother's Day sermons, and I dislike a lot of the things that we, we do on Mother's Day. I really love waking up in the morning and appreciating your mother and having a genuine Error, attitude of gratefulness for the for the things that you do, and I and I hope I did that well. But I, and I, but this weekend has caused me to to think about the 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 good things that Teddy does in our life, just to make our lives go. You know, not and not just the whole like gestating and birthing children, but just the whole like that's pretty impressive. But um, the overall just things that, that we, we do, uh, that, 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 that Teddy does to make our lives go. And I want to be grateful for that. And, uh, and I also um, wanted to uh, be thankful for my mom, who, who formed me uh, in a lot of ways, and uh, in ways that I, I did not expect. Um, but... What I, what I just did, if you're wondering, was I got my mom, I asked my mother, who's not here this morning, she's taking Isaac to soccer, I got her to text me. And when she texts me, you'll hear, in some ways, how I was formed by my mother, which is kind of different than your typical uh, Hallmark thing. You just sent it, you didn't get it? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. So, anyway. But, so, um... Maybe because you're connected. Maybe, yeah. But that's okay. 
So, and, and I think that one of the things we've talked about, and I've already addressed it a little bit, is we've acted like there's only one lived experience of motherhood and Mother's Day. That if it's not a Hallmark movie, that, then it doesn't count. And I think that what we haven't done with Mother's Day is take into account that a lot of people are in pain today. Either because the mother that they loved and was great is no longer here with them, which is a frustrating experience, or the, the relationship that they expected to have with their mother was not that or they would like to be a mother themselves and are, are not. Or, and, and if we're going to talk about Mother's Day, we have to do it in a way that includes those people as well. And if the way that we're talking about these things doesn't include everyone, then there's no point in talking to them. And the, and the, the, the experience of motherhood is as varied as uh, there are people in this room. And, and what's interesting is, is that uh, I kept a core passage because I had a core passage that I was working on for a sermon. And, and even when I was doing the Mother's Day thing, I still stuck with it because I was reading through Exodus and there's parallels in Exodus. The Bible often tells two stories twice, uh, the same story twice. But, but this is, a, this is a, a statement from Moses uh, to God. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. And the Lord became exceedingly angry. And Moses was troubled, and he said to the Lord, Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land he promised as an oath to their ancestors? And, and Moses later goes on to basically be saying, like, Hey, God, you know what you could do other than what you're doing right now? You could just kill me, and that'd be kind of great. That would be obvious. <laughs> that would be great. And then I would no longer have to deal with these people. But I think that this is interesting because it acknowledges a side of motherhood that, that is... That, that exists that we don't often talk about, which is that often as a parent of, I, of any gender, you find yourself in this position where you have a small wailing monster that as much as this was a gift, you're just like, why do I have to deal with this thing, right? And it is frustrating. So there's a burden in that as well. And it's easy to tell one side of the story of unconditional love and sacrifice, and that's a beautiful part of the story, and it needs to be told, but it's not a complete story. Because as much as it is true that you have this person who expands your heart and your soul and teaches you more about yourself, you also, in some ways, feel like your life has been hijacked by a small, uncaring monster that is unable to see anything other than its own feelings and needs. And we need to acknowledge this, that, 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 that as much as motherhood is a gift, it is a burden as well, good and bad. So how do we acknowledge this in our parenting as well? Because it's so easy to feel like an inadequate parent. Um, I remember when I first started doing comedy, uh, one of the first jokes that I told was about my children, and I would lead into it with uh, a line that I thought was hilarious, and audiences uh, did not. And, uh, and I would say, I really love, I have three children, I really love being a parent, it's one more thing at which I can fail. And they had the exact same reaction. That was it. It was because I thought it was a funny thing to say, but they were just like, why are you reminding us of reality in this place? And I think that that is, and I think that we need to acknowledge that it's okay that most of us feel like we're failing in this all the time. 
Most of us feel like a good chunk of the time that we are that we are leaving something behind, and are we raising potentially a, in, an insane sociopath that is going to damage the world? Right. The, my son, who is here, and I love him, and he's an amazing person that stretches me in, in so many ways. But he liked at one point in his life to cut his sandwiches. with two opposite angles. He liked to cut his sandwiches with one cut straight down the middle of the sandwich, and then another angle cut. It's just wrong. When you see it, it's just, you can have like the X, or you can have like this way, that's fine, or you can just go one up and down or across, Like, but to have one like this and then one like this on top of it was just horrific. And as he's doing this, I'm just like, what kind of, should I allow him into the world? I don't, I think that that's the thing that we're, the reality that we're facing. So I spent a lot of time trying to be like, what, so what is God saying to us in our parenting? Because the reality is God doesn't give you that many clues on how to deal with your children as much as just like, just deal with people, right? And we have lots of advice on how to deal with people and how to deal with sinners and how to deal with the lost, but not much specifically about raising children unless we begin to understand and realize that our children are sinners and the lost and just regular people. But I th So I think that what God is saying to us is this, and I'm going to read the whole thing and I'm going to go back because I think it's important. So... As I was reading and praying through this, uh, this is what I came to. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. This is Paul, Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. He's, he's just described the gospel of Jesus, the good news of what Jesus did. And then he says this. So because of this good news, now we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he was committing, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we're going to look at this passage in context of what God is calling us to in our parenting. We start with this. So, from now on, we regard no one, even your own children, from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. I think it's incredibly important that we acknowledge that part of following Jesus, perhaps one of the major parts of following Jesus, is to surrender to the reality that there is nothing in our lives that is not spiritual. We want to divide our lives. If my parenting is over here and my finances go in this little box, my home goes in this little box, and then I have my religion box over here. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we need to acknowledge that Jesus looks at all of these things and says, mine. Everything in the world that we do and that we deal with is a spiritual 
reality. People or finances or work is all infused with what uh, the poet Gerald Manley Hopkins called the, the grandeur of God. He said, in a, he said in a poem that the world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like shining from shook foil. He was imagining that you shake tinfoil in the way that the light plays off. He's like, if you shake anything, the light that plays off it is the grandeur that God has given it. Everything matters. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. And what we've been called to means that there is nothing that does not radiate God's presence. And therefore, parenting ought not to be regarded from a worldly point of view. It's not just about making your kids happy. It's not just about making sure that they have adequate nutrition and trying to cram as many food groups into the meal as possible. It's, just, it's not just about making sure that they understand that they need to keep them, their hands to their, themselves and that no means no and that they need to sometimes work in accordance with the group. This is a godly reality that they're working in. We don't, we don't regard our parenting from a worldly point of view, but it is work charged by God. Every person that we care for is an everlasting soul. Every person with whom we interact is an everlasting soul. And that reality ought to weigh on us. That reality ought to rest on our shoulders and inform every encounter that we have, be it with a stranger or be it with the people that we love. And it most especially with the people that we love, because I am one of those who sometimes finds it way easier to show grace to strangers than to show grace to the people that are in my lives, in my life on an everyday basis. And I think some of you might find yourself in the same place as well. But somewhere in our hearts and minds, it ought to rest on us that we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We regard nothing from a worldly point of view. All of our parenting is charged with the grandeur of God. He continues, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. But the reality of this isn't just a burden, it's also a release. This is an opportunity because this declares really quickly, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. One of the most interesting things that I see is I talk to people who are either about to become parents or have recently become parents, or, and I see this a lot, and I, I went through it too, that there's this deep-seated fear that I am inevitably going to parent in the same way that my parents parented. Or that I am so committed to not parenting the way that my parents parented that there is nothing left but a negative reaction to I'm not doing that rather than a positive reaction of what I am going to do. And there is, and we often see this, and I am as guilty of this as anyone else, where you find yourself as you parent whether you like it or not, beginning to repeat phrases that your parents said to you. So I found myself one day saying to my children, be true to your teeth or they will be false to you. Where, that's not a thing that I say. But, and that's a funny example, but the reality is, 
We all know that, it, that, that when we're parenting or interacting with other people, it's easy to find ourselves falling into a script and playing roles that we've learned. And that when we are, encounter a situation, we feel like we've been handed a script that tells us how we're supposed to feel, how we're supposed to express how we feel, how we're supposed to act, what moment to hit, and when we find ourselves yelling at somebody over something that we never thought that we'd ever care about, over, over, over folding the towels wrong, we're like, where did I go wrong and find myself in the exact same place that my parents were? And it's easy to find ourselves bound by that, 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 that we as individuals, when we enter into the task of parenting or caring for other people in any way, that we are the sum of learned patterns of behavior, that we are the sum of bad habits and bad genes and bad traits and bad traditions, and, 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 and we're bound by that. But what we have been given and need to understand as followers of Jesus is that we are a new creation. And whatever you've come into, good or bad, whatever has been handed to you, does not dictate to you how you will care for people in the future. You are not your mom. You are not your dad. You are not your grandfather. You are not your grandmother. And in Christ, you have the opportunity to begin to write new scripts of how you are going to relate to the people in your world. You do not have to follow what has been given to you, and you have the opportunity to start anew in Jesus. We are new. Our children are new. And we have the opportunity and have been given new life and new direction and new hope. The new creation is him, the, has gone. The old is gone. The new is here. Do not live in the old patterns that you've been handed down. There is nothing tying you to them. And all this is from God, who reconciled himself to uh, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed us to the message of reconciliation as all, as well, uh, us to this message of re reconciliation. This is really interesting because it says something that is repeated in the Bible from Genesis all the way through Revelation, that, that God does something and then invites us to do the same thing. But God does God things in God ways, and he invites us to do God things in our ways. I'll explain. God created. God spoke into the world, and everything became. And we, as God created, so God creates in his way cosmically, eternally, in what ways beyond what we can understand. We have been invited to create as well. We take the tools that we have been given and we create. God called, called out to people and said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Call, leave your father's house and your father's household and follow me and I will take you to the promised land. God has continually called people and we call people as well. Hey, I've got a new way of living. I've got a new way of approaching things. I've got a new way of following and being in family and community together. God called, we call. God sacrificed and we sacrifice. God sacrificed his entire life in a way that cosmically cleansed the sin of every human being on this planet that chooses to participate in the redemption that God, that God has offered, we sacrifice ourselves as well. 
We don't stop doing good because people don't notice us doing good. We don't stop doing what we've been called to do when we're hurt and when people take it the wrong way. We continue to sacrifice because God sacrificed. And God reconciled and we reconciled as well. This is an important point that Jesus made in John chapter 14 where he says, You have seen the works I have been doing. You will do even greater works than this. And this is really important when it comes to our parenting and when it comes to our care of other people in any way that we do not count sins against people. I'm not saying this as someone who does this well all the time. But part of what we've been called to as followers of Jesus is to not keep a ledger of wrongs. And even more important, to not assume that when we do well and right for other people, that we're making a deposit in the bank account of grace that they ought to show us. That's something that I've been incredibly guilty of. We don't expect justice to be done by other people. We trust and expect that our justice is going to be coming from Jesus. And we commit ourselves to carrying this approach to the world. We do not count people's wrongs against them. And this is how we begin to reconcile that no human being is the sum of their behaviors. No human being is merely the sum of their actions. There needs to be accountability for actions, of course, don't get me wrong. But the reality is, as the supernatural thing that we've been called to, is to not commit and count wrongs against us. This is the message of reconciliation that we have been given. And because we've been given this ministry of reconciliation, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Now this is really interesting because I think it's so easy for all of us to fall into this place where I am not important as an individual. That in the grand scheme of God's kingdom, I am now stuck in this place, either parenting a small monster or working in a place that seems ineffectual and irrelevant or now I am aging out of influence and we think that the place that we are doesn't matter. But the Bible is quite clear that the place that you are, wherever you are, you are an ambassador. You are an emissary of the king commuting, communicating his message. And even though we might say, especially in those early years of parenting where it's just like constantly like following around, like a, it's basically like taking care of a puppy that you hope isn't going, that, 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 that that you hope is going to age out of being a puppy eventually. But especially at that, le at that level, you can spend years just following uh, this child around going like, this is my life now. Shouldn't I be out accomplishing something? Shouldn't I be out doing something important? Shouldn't I be out like preaching the gospel of the nations or whatever you think like this doesn't matter. This isn't important. Important things are happening out there. I'm trying to get this child to put Cheerios in their mouth rather than on the floor. How does any of this matter? It matters because you've been sent to that kitchen table as an ambassador of God Almighty. 
And while it is very important that you communicate that the Cheerios go in the mouth and not on the floor, it is more important that you communicate that their wrongs are not going to be counted against them and that Christ is moving in and among them. You've been chosen to communicate peace and reconciliation to a people who believe they are at war. That's what's happening here in this moment. We implore you, we are Christ's ambassadors as though he were making his appeal to us. He's saying to the world in the previous statement that your wrongs aren't being counted against you. There's no beef, there's no fight happening here, there's no war going on here. And as ambassadors, we are emissaries from God telling a world that is so terrified because they think that they're at war with the universe and they got to fight and grab for everything that they can get. Our job is to communicate to our children, to everyone that we encounter, that you are not at war. The God of the universe is on your side. And this is not accidental. Every place that you are, you have been sent there intentionally. And you have a role to play in communicating God's worth to the people that, uh, the, with whom you are surrounded. But I want us to focus. Oh. oh, shoot, I missed a slide. But the next part of this. is this final statement that I think is most important. So in light of all of these things, in light of the stakes of the world that we've been given, in light of the role that we have as ambassadors, in, the, in light of the fact that, that we do not count people's sins against them because of what Christ has done, we implore you on Christ's behalf, and this is the most, most important thing that we can bring to our parenting or our whatever it is that we are doing, wherever we are, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is our role. And the most important thing that we can do if we're going to communicate reconciliation to other people is we need to be reconciled ourselves. If we're going to communicate to other people that their wrongs aren't counted against them, then we need to communicate, we need to understand that our wrongs aren't counted against us either. This is a new world and a new reality that we have been given. And we need to be reconciled to God, understanding that God who made him who had no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. You need to let this truth dwell in you. And, and if you allow this truth to dwell in you, it will come permeating through every act of your parenting, every act of your work, every act of your life together. All of these places matter and our reconciliation matters because of the blessing that we can bring to the world through it. So as we come to this table, where we see the sacrifice that was made for God to be reconciled to us, as we come to this table where we see that God did not stop at any point to, to break down every barrier that was separating us from him and his will, we, I want us to remember the, uh, and, and to think about and have the Holy Spirit bring to mind for us those places where we are counting wrongs against other people, where we're keeping record of wrongs counted against ourselves, where we are not living in the reality of what God has called us to and not being reconciled to God. And take this opportunity as you come to this table 
to take and eat and see that the Lord is good, to taste and see that the Lord is good, to, to take in a new covenant in, my, in his blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins, to, to experience his, his broken body designed and intended to reconcile himself to us and then leave here with a clean slate and a blank page ready to face everything that God has sent us into. Let's pray together.